Thank you, Trevor. So sluggards, sloths, and leaky faucets. Uh, as, as Gordon has said, we're, we're starting tonight uh, a new series looking at the Old Testament wisdom book of Proverbs, and we're going we're gonna to be in this series for maybe a couple of months at least. But what I want to do is kind of explore some ancient wisdom for a modern world. Please don't get too hung up or make too much of this series title. It's, it's really just a hook. But Proverbs does have something to say to all three of these. Uh, here's what it says. Go to the ant, O sluggard, observe her ways and be wise. The way of the slothful man is as a hedge of thorns. And then a nagging spouse is like the drip, drip, drip of a leaky faucet. So that's where the title comes from, but I'm glad to say that Proverbs doesn't just have something to say to sluggards, sloths, and nagging spouses. It is indeed a book of everyday wisdom for everyday people. But what I want to do right at the beginning is, is read the first seven verses of the book of Proverbs. So if you do have a Bible with you and you'd like to turn to Proverbs chapter one, I think it's page 635 in the Red Pew Bibles, but I actually do have the words on screen as well because I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. But here are the first seven verses of this book. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, what is just, and what is fair. These proverbs give insight to the simple knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. The reason for this book is really explicit. It's clear right from the outset. These Proverbs, it says, were given to teach us wisdom and discipline, which have always been two essential ingredients for life. But the question is, where do we go? Who do we turn to when we need wise advice and sound counsel? Back in July 2011, any of you who were here during our Essential Word series, we, we spent one Sunday morning out of the entire year summarizing the book of, of Proverbs. And so as I introduce it this evening, I am gonna use some of what I, I used that Sunday morning back in July 2011. But the question is, where do you turn for wise advice and sound counsel? Well, the truth is there are lots of people out there who are keen to share advice. In fact, someone has said that advice is the only commodity on the market where supply always exceeds demand. But five years ago, I played a song. 
Can anybody remember who was there five years ago, what that song was? Now, this will be impressive. No? I'm going to play it again tonight, uh, partly because I love it. It's one of my favorite all-time songs. It was written and released in 1999. The words are going to appear on the screen, but this is a song that is packed with advice. Packed with it. But the question is, is this good or bad advice? And how do you decide? Let's hope this works. One tip for the future. Sunscreen would be it. The long-term benefits of sunscreen have been proved by scientists, whereas the rest of my advice has no basis more reliable than my own meandering experience. I will dispense this advice now. Enjoy the power and beauty of your youth. Oh, never mind. You will not understand the power and beauty of your youth until they've faded. But trust me, in 20 years, you'll look back at photos of yourself and recall in a way you can't grasp now how much possibility lay before you and how fabulous you really looked. You are not as fat as you imagine. <laughs> Don't worry about the future, or worry, but know that worrying as effective as trying to solve an algebra equation by chewing bubblegum. The real troubles in your life are apt to be things that never crossed your worried mind, the kind that blindsides you at 4 p.m. on some idle Tuesday. Do one thing every day that scares you. Sing. Don't be reckless with other people's hearts. Don't put up with people who are reckless with yours. Floss. Don't waste your time on jealousy. Sometimes you're ahead, sometimes you're behind. The race is long, and in the end, it's only with yourself. Remember compliments you receive. Forget the insults. If you succeed in doing this, tell me how. Keep your old love letters. Throw away your old bank statements. Stretch. Don't feel guilty if you don't know what you want to do with your life. Hi. Ladies and gentlemen of the class. No, we're not going there again. We're not going there again. Let, let me read you there. Dance. Even if you have nowhere to do it but in your own living room, read the directions even if you don't follow them. Do not read beauty magazines. They will only make you feel ugly. Get to know your parents. You never know when they'll be gone for good. Be nice to your siblings. They are the best link to your past and the people most likely to stick with you in the future. Understand that friends come and go, but for the precious few, you should hold on. Work hard to bridge the gaps in geography and lifestyle because the older you get, the more you need the people you knew when you were young. Live in New York City once, but leave before it makes you hard. Live in Northern California once, but leave before it makes you soft. <laughs> Travel. Accept certain inalienable truths. Prices will rise, politicians will philander, you too will get old, and when you do, 
you'll fantasize that when you were young, prices were reasonable, politicians were noble, and children respected their elders. Respect your elders. Don't expect anyone else to support you. Maybe you have a trust fund, maybe you have a wealthy spouse, but you never know when either one might run out. Don't mess too much with your hair, or by the time you're 40, it will look 85. Be careful whose advice you buy, but be patient with those who supply it. Advice is a form of nostalgia. Dispensing it is a way of fishing the past from the disposal, wiping it off, painting over the ugly parts, and recycling it for more than it's worth. But trust me on the sunscreen. Didn't even sound like, anyone know who, who wrote that or sang that? Baz Luhrmann, very impressive. It's brilliant. And the truth is we all, we all need advice. None of us knows it all. And the book of Proverbs actually expresses this. It's on the screen rather bluntly. It says, fools think they need no advice, but the wise do listen to others. So the question is, who do we listen to? Who do we choose to listen to? For many of us, it is friends and family. Because those are the people who are closest to us. They know us better than anyone else. And so maybe for many people, it's our friends and our family who are best placed to speak into our lives and to offer us helpful advice. But one of the key places that we must turn to, one of the core reference points for discovering wisdom and good advice as we negotiate our way through this life is the book of Proverbs. It really is an essential guide book because locked up in its 31 chapters is divine wisdom and truly inspired advice. Lots of that advice was great, but locked up in 31 chapters of Proverbs is truly inspired advice. And, and if we listen to it, and if we take it on board, it will make a significant impact and difference in our lives. As the late Derek Bingham, and many of you will have known Derek Bingham, but as the late Derek Bingham wrote in his daily devotional book on Proverbs, he said this, if we would only heed its wisdom, it would not only change our hearts, it would also transform our whole quality of life. That's a huge claim. I also remember being struck by the fact that Billy Graham, a genuine giant of the Christian faith, but Billy Graham made a decision many, many years ago to read one chapter of Proverbs every single day. Proverbs is 31 chapters, as I've said. Most months of 31 days. And so that meant that Billy Graham read through Proverbs 12 times a year. So convinced was he of its value for daily life and discipleship. And as I did back in 2011, I do it again. Let me throw that out as a real challenge and thought. To go away from here and consider, even for the next month, just the next 31 days, reading a chapter of Proverbs every single day. Proverbs is brilliant. But it's unlike any other book of the Bible. There, is, there isn't an overall plan to the book of Proverbs as such. It's best seen as a kind of collection of sayings, and some of those sayings are connected, some of them stand alone, some topics reoccur, some don't. Some sayings are repeated more than once, most of the sayings are just one-offs. But it's critical that we, we see this unique book 
as a vital and a valuable resource for life, for everyday life. So as we relate to people, as we make decisions, as we discern situations, as we choose options, as we encounter temptation, as we function in our families, as we consider who we're going to marry, those sort of things are all talked about and dealt with in the book of Proverbs. In brief, Proverbs is a collection, it's a kind of compilation of sayings on life, on character, and on conduct. Let me just highlight some of the great advice that you will find in this gold mine. Although, whenever you hear some of what I'm going to put on the screen, you might be tempted to think, do you know something? That is all just common sense. But as the the French philosopher Voltaire said, common sense is not that common. So here are some examples of divine wisdom and inspired advice. Keep away from angry, short-tempered people. Don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. In the heat of an argument, don't betray confidences. Don't fail to correct your kids. Above all else, Guard your heart, because it affects everything else you do. Never abandon a friend. Don't praise yourself, let others do it. Yanking a dog's ears is as foolish as interfering in someone else's argument. So earthy, isn't it? So practical, so relevant, but as you engage with these writings, And as we do so over the next couple of months, there's an important point to make right at the start. Because a lot of the advice that you encounter in the book of Proverbs comes along with what appears to be a guaranteed outcome. If you live like this, if you make these choices, if you take on board this advice and this wisdom, then this will happen. That's what it seems to say at times. So for example, Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Is that always the case? Or do we not all know some sons and daughters who have chosen to walk a very different path from the one that their parents urged them to travel along? Or what about Proverbs 28, 19? A hard worker has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasies ends up in poverty. Is that always the case? Or are we not aware of people who work hard and yet they go hungry? Whereas some daydreamers win millions on the lottery. And so as you interact with this book and these Proverbs, it's important to recognize that it's not so much a book of pure promises because some people have almost implied that that's what it is. It's not a book of pure promises or rigid rules, do this and this will happen. Instead, Proverbs simply tells us how life works most of the time. In a very real sense, we're dealing with principles not guarantees. But the overarching message and underlying foundational truth is that wisdom is for life. And that this wisdom that we can have in life is vital. But where is it found? It's found in living out these principles. But the question is, what exactly is it? 
What is wisdom? What, what is biblical wisdom? How would you define proverbial wisdom? The kind of wisdom that this book actually urges us to pursue, urges us to find it, and once we find it, it says, see when you find it, treasure it like pure gold. It's the kind of wisdom that has a moral and a spiritual dimension. It's the kind of wisdom, according to these Proverbs, that enhances life at virtually every single level. Well, here is one of my favorite definitions of wisdom. Wisdom is the art of living skillfully from God's point of view in whatever actual conditions we find ourselves. And, and the reason that I like that is because it implies that wisdom is a kind of art form. It's an expressive thing. It's a skill. It's something that you grow in. It's something that you develop in. It, it's a God-honoring thing. It pleases God, and it is, as I say, all life embracing, and it can be applied to each and every single situation that we find ourselves in day in and day out. And as, we, and as we tease this out a little bit more, I think it's helpful to see, well, what does this book present as the opposite of wisdom? So what is the opposite of wisdom according to the book of Proverbs? Folly or foolishness. And the opposite of a wise person, according to this book, is a fool. But the problem with the word fool is that we tend to have a particular understanding of it. So whenever someone calls somebody a fool, we think, well, they're saying they're not that clever. That person's not that smart. But in Proverbs, a fool may be a person with an incredibly above-average IQ. They can be very successful from a human perspective, but what makes a person a fool, according to the book of Proverbs, is their decision to ignore God and his ways. To neglect God's wisdom and instruction and instead decide, I'm gonna follow my own ways, my own ideas, or other people's ways, or other people's ideas, and I'm just gonna do life without reference to God. Proverbs would say, that's foolish. That's foolish. And verse seven highlights this when it says in the second half, fools despise wisdom and discipline. So to ignore what the creator of life offers to help you operate this gift of life is quite honestly, according to Proverbs, foolish. God created your life, has given you life, and has enabled you to know how to live life well by giving you this wisdom literature, to ignore it is foolishness. And so pursuing this wisdom really does make sense. And critical in this process and how we go about pursuing it is, is the first half of verse seven, because it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or the beginning of wisdom. If we're ever going to get this, if we're ever going to acquire wisdom and live out an inspired advice, here's the starting point. The starting point for every single human being. And as, as Proverbs 9, 10 confirms, fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. This is what it's built upon. And if this foundation isn't in place, we're never going to know what it means to live wise lives. 
And unless this is kind of dug deep into our lives, then there's little chance of us taking it any further. So what does it mean to fear the Lord? If I was to ask, if I was to throw that out, I'm not going to throw that out, but if I was to throw that out, what does it mean to fear the Lord? If that's the foundation, if that's what underpins this, if that's the base on which this is built, what does it mean to fear the Lord? The importance of, of fearing the Lord is found throughout Scripture. It's not just in the book of Proverbs that we come across this idea. Throughout Scripture, time and time again, we're told to fear the Lord doesn't necessarily mean a a cringing terror, although we must be careful. We've got to be careful not to totally dismiss or, or rip out any sense of a frightening dimension to God, because there are times whenever God revealed himself to his people in ways that caused their hearts to beat a bit faster and their pulses to race a bit quicker. One example of this is just after God had given Moses the 10 words or the 10 commandments because whenever the people heard the thunder and saw the lightning and they watched the smoke rising, it says they trembled with fear and they pleaded with Moses, Moses, please do not let God speak to us directly in case we might die. And so there clearly are times whenever the fear of the Lord was fear and is fear as we actually do understand fear. But the key meaning of the phrase, in the vast majority of other references, including those here in Proverbs, the key meaning of fear here is to know and observe a deep respect for God. That's what it means to fear the Lord. To know and to observe a deep respect for God, or to expand this a bit further and more accurately, the proper kind of fear is that which causes us to stand in awe, in reverence, and respect. The cry of Psalm 33 highlights, let the whole world fear the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of him. God has revealed his character. God has chosen to reveal his majesty, his holiness, his power, his grace, his mercy to us. God has given us an insight into who he is. But the question is, how do we respond? How do human beings today respond to the way God has revealed himself? How do we How does humanity stand before God? Do we stand in awe, in reverence, in respect? Because unless we do, unless I cultivate and maintain a proper fear of the Lord, I will struggle to ever get, know, or display wisdom. But how do you nurture a proper, biblical, life-changing fear of the Lord? Well, let me give you one suggestion. And there are, there are a number of ways. But let me give you one way to nurture a proper, biblical, life-changing fear of the Lord. And that is, immerse yourself in Scripture. 
Immerse yourself in God's word. The fear of the Lord grows, I believe, through consistent and constant engagement with and exposure to scripture because that is where we read and reflect on God's character, on God's heart, on who God is. And as we do that, we're, we're drawn into a greater understanding and a greater reverence for God. That requires humility. It requires a choice. It requires a decision. It requires us to come before God's word and say, God, you have revealed yourself. Yes, you've revealed yourself in creation and all creation declares the greatness of God. And you've revealed yourself in Jesus. But you've also revealed yourself through your word. And so if we're going to develop a nurture, a proper and biblical fear of the Lord, then we need to immerse ourselves in Scripture. We need to be engaging with it on a consistent, constant basis. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. And so I ask you again, how do you stand before God this evening? How do you stand before God this evening? It's so easy to kind of rush into his presence. I know we're never out of God's presence, but those times when we consciously come into God's presence like this, and maybe there's lots of distracting things happening, but how do we stand before God? How do we approach God? How do we stand before him on a daily basis, on a moment-by-moment basis. And so as we begin this new series, and as we reflect on our kind of personal standing before God, I want us to sing just as we close this evening, the splendor of the king, and and just as the the band come back, the reason I chose this to kind of close with, because it just says, great is the Lord. And then we're going to add that, that bit on at the end then, sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. Because as we stand as a congregation of people, we stand in awe and reverence and respect and we declare, God, you are great. And we acknowledge that. And we want to nurture that fear of you so that we can grow in wisdom and know what it means to be wise. Next week, we're going to think about discipline because to quote verse two, oh, it's not back up there. Quote verse two, it says, the purpose, if you noticed in, in that was, their purpose is to teach us not just wisdom, but the purpose of these Proverbs is to teach us discipline. And then in subsequent weeks, the kind of things we're gonna be looking at are, what does it mean to cultivate compassion? How do we speak truthfully? How do we manage anger? How do we do good? How do we take initiative? How do we forge strong families? How do we marry well? We're gonna have a look at all those kind of issues that the book of Proverbs deals with. But let's stand together as we close tonight and sing the splendor of the king.